0: Welcome to a new episode of The Workplace Revolution, and I'm your host, Sile Bolani. The World Health Organization defines mental health as a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. According to psychiatry.org, mental illness is a medical problem just like heart disease or diabetes. Mental illnesses are defined as conditions involving changes in emotion, thinking, or behavior, or a combination of these. They are associated with distress and or problems functioning in social, work, or family activities. The World Health Organization reports indicates that one in four people suffer from mental illness. That's around 450 million people, placing it among the leading causes of ill health and disability. A lack of access to affordable treatment exacerbates the course of the illness. The World Health Organization has also projected depression to become the leading health condition. Now, if you haven't caught on yet, on today's show, we're focusing on mental health, mental illness, and how it manifests itself in the workplace and how people can seek support. Joining me today is Babi Khadima, founder of the Babi Khadima Mental Wellness Foundation, which is focused on building a safe space around mental health through workshops, retreats, community service, and online convos. But that's not how I got to know Babi, right? Hi Bobby Hi <laughs> So when I first met you, you I knew you as a makeup artist. Mm. And you kind of dabbled in the skincare space of it. Do you want yeah. to just briefly talk us
1: through your professional journey? Oh, Okay, so uh, basically I've been in the beauty industry for years. Um, and like you said, I actually knew you invited me to a an event like years ago mm. um, through your company. And that was through the whole makeup and skincare thing that I was doing online. I think you, you had invited like bloggers and whatever to a launch of a La Manche um, Yeah, it was opening. Yeah, that's how I got to know you, and then we followed each other on social media. I mean, that's years ago, so um, I continued with that, but now I'm actually out of the beauty industry. I just do it online, where I focus on educating people about skincare, how to get affordable products. I'm just really, really passionate about people understanding their skin and just saving money, because people spend a lot of money on unnecessary things Mm. when it comes to beauty and wellness. Absolutely. I mean, I know. It
0: took me a while to figure out what the right things
1: were for me
0: because it can seem a bit intimidating. Mm. Because, I mean, why are there 50 million different types of cleansers? Exactly. And face washes? Mm. And should you be using foam or not? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's
1: just all so complex. But now you are also in the corporate space full time. Yes, I am. I'm in the corporate space full time. So my nine to five is me being an account uh, regional manager. Mm -hmm. That's what I do during the day, which is totally different from. What I do at night, which mm. is all about skin care and educating people. So I'm in the corporate space full time. The reason why I got into the corporate space was because I wanted to have the opportunity to be able to drive my skincare and wellness awareness platform without having any issues of conflict of interest. Right. That's the reason why. Okay. Yeah.
0: So... Tell me a bit about your foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that made you decide to develop a platform that
1: focuses specifically on mental wellness? So um, I'm a survivor of multiple suicides. Uh, I live with bipolar and temporal lobe epilepsy. I've known that I was diagnosed with depression for years, like 10 years since 2011. Yeah, it's about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but even prior to that, I always did not feel normal, If, for lack of a better better word. Mm. I always felt very sad. I might always have this aching. I couldn't understand my moods. I'd be very, very bubbly, and then I'd have moments where I'm very, very low and... Mm exhausted a lot and I couldn't understand why. Um so this movement was something that I had been thinking about since I was discharged. So the last um attempt that I had which was very severe was in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I believe I survived that by the grace of God because when I hear um based on the reports from the people who found me and all of that, I'm actually not supposed to be here, but I am mm-hmm. here to fulfill a purpose. And then also being diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy a few months later, um, that was just, I felt I was being further derailed. Uh, So, I mean, I sat on it and I thought about it and I had been bargaining with God to say, "Mm, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be the poster child. Mm. Um, How can we do it in a way that I'm not a poster child and how can we do it in a way that People get a space to heal because I feel like there aren't any safe spaces right. when it comes to uh, mental illness, mm. even within mental illness um, facilities. When I was in a mental um, illness facility for two weeks, to three weeks, two weeks even the practitioners there don't really seem to get it like you see in how they would treat us. Mm. There's a stigma even for them.
0: Oh wow, that's yes. interesting. Yes
1: there is i mean even um like right now i'm on my fourth <laughs> psychiatrist funny i was saying this other week that i'm gonna fire my my one that i had so i've got the fourth one now it's also difficult then because there are so many barriers that you need to go through if your psychiatrist is white there's this um prejudice that as a black person if you talk about your suffering it's all in your head mm. Right, I the of the black Yeah, there's an erasure. Yeah, mm. I mean, um, I mean, I watched a documentary about how a lot of black women in America are having complicated pregnancies and dying because yes, of because that. Not, yes, because doctors and nurses don't listen to them. Same thing in the in the in the in the uh, in the mental um, health space. I mean, I I had my my psychiatrist when when I was taken to life Riverfield. Uh, she wasn't white. She was Muslim, but she had a – there was this thing of you just need to be strong. I remember one day her saying her saying to me that there's no problem that's worth your life. And in my mind, I was asking myself, but I'm not doing this to myself. Mm. So are you saying that I've got this problem that I need to get over? But, like, how do I get over it? And the worst thing is that she just – diagnosed me gener- gave me a general diagnosis mm-hmm. so um, I remember she put me on 14 pills a day oh my goodness yes one was for it was for she said I had major depression and then she said I have like anxiety and then um, insomnia and there were so many pulls and then i got another psychiatrist who then picked up temporal lobe epilepsy then later on she was like no she doesn't think it's temporal lobe epilepsy then i started having neurological disorders so i now have a neurologist but my neurologist is a white male he's also got his own issues mm. like i'd see it when i talk to him that this person thinks i'm crazy Mm. You know when you explain your symptoms, what you're going through, you'll just they'll just give you a general test to say an MRI, but they won't be a te- pay they won't pay attention to the detail to say okay, they don't take the same extra care. I believe that they do take with white people. Mm. Yeah, so the re- that's the reason why I started the platform because I wanted to have safe spaces and I wanted to get people who were like me mm. to also see that they're not on their own. Mm. And also to just gauge, you know, sometimes you think that maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm assuming, maybe I'm assuming these things. But then the more um, we have such spaces and platforms and we talk to people, we actually find that there are people who feel the same way, mm. who've experienced the same thing. People who say that, jeez, like every year I'm constantly looking for a new psychiatrist or every year I want to quit my job because my job does not have X, Y, and Z. Mm. Or every year I'm looking for a new psychologist. And you begin to understand why people will post on Twitter saying that I'm looking for a black female psychologist. Mm. Because those things matter yes. and in how you will be treated and how you'll get a support system to help you to manage and navigate your your mental illness. So that's why I created the foundation. I mean it's fairly new. Um we haven't planned our our events as yet, but I want to have a workshop. Um I'm just still gauging based on the responses that I'm getting on the on social media as to where are people exactly lacking and where can we start. So that's the reason why I started it because I felt like we really needed a safe space. Because sometimes you'll think that you're in your psychiatrist's room and you but it's not a safe space.
0: Mm. It's actually quite scary hearing that the people who are supposed to be trained and well-versed in mental illness Mm. and understanding that chemical Mm. imbalance (coughs) that happens, Mm. that causes Mm -hmm. um, these various conditions, if they don't understand it, how's the rest of society supposed to be able to
1: understand, engage, empathize? Exactly. Exactly. It is. I mean, um, that's the. those are the issues that we are. We, we go through. I mean, when we were in the facility, and when I say we, I mean I made some acquaintances and friends there. We would, like, after our... Because every day we'd have classes for occupational therapy, and then you'd see your psychologist and psychiatrist daily. And most of the time, especially us as black people, would come out feeling like, oh, that one doesn't get me, mm-hmm. or so and so um it comes across as condescending, Mm. you know, um in your sessions. It's because it's as if like a black person has gone through slavery and all of that and there is that prejudice that yes, they're supposed to suffer and they can take it all. So even it it follows that it follows them even into the medical spaces, Mm. into their consultation rooms where you are saying, This is what I'm feeling. For example last year I had a paralysis um issue where the left side of my body was constantly getting paralyzed and numb and I'd have um, pins and needles so I I was taken into hospital they thought it was a stroke you know on several occasions but then it would come out that it's not a stroke and then I went to my neurologist my neurologist then said no ordered an MRI scan ordered a nerve conduction test and all of that there's no explanation as to what are those tests supposed to find. Mm. Uh, you ask questions and the person be like, hmm, everything looks normal. And it's a very dismissive mm. thing. It's a, Ach, the only explanation then is probably X, Y, and Z. You're having an aura, a migraine aura. Um that was the diagnosis he came up with. He was like, and I, he was like, I'm, I'll just put you on meds, and let's see what happens because everything is coming out clear and stuff. A migraine resulting in paralysis. Yeah, he was saying I'm having a migraine aura, explaining, um, using big words as well. Like they use big words, and, and then um, they and then he said I'm gonna put you on more um medication from the epi- epile- epilepsy family. This is not to say you are full, you know, all of that, but there's no like you you leave there without feeling assured Mm. you leave there feeling confused Mm. because even when you have to explain to let's say your line manager or hr as to what exactly is going on with you There's no support. I mean, for me, I was even like, I'm grateful for the organization I work for because I told them about this. And then they said, look, no, we've got this free thing where we can send your tests to Stanford and they'll get a second opinion. And so they, yes, so I'm grateful that I have, Mm -hmm. I experienced that in the organization that I work for, which is why I also created the foundation because I thought, how many other people have the privileges that I have. I mean, I work for an organization where I get the most expensive, expensive um, medical aid option. I only pay 20%, so my benefits are unlimited. There's just so much. So the organization I work for is very supportive and they're very pro-mental health. Mm. But then <laughs> you go into the medical industry where one time I had seizures, multiple seizures but I was conscious and we were in the office and we're having a meeting and my manager said, no, one of my colleagues needs to immediately take me to the hospital, take him to the hospital admitted. My psychiatrist was looking at me like I'm assuming these things. And I kept saying to her, I was with my colleagues. They saw it. It's not in my head. So you left with the thing of maybe I'm crazy. Mm. (laughs) Maybe I'm assuming, um, these things so for me the challenges have been particularly within the medical field where I feel that there's still a lot of systematic racism Mm. going on so it's like no if if a black child says it then um, it's not okay she's Mm. she's lying or she's assuming um, you know and I say but this is what I'm going through this is what's happening this is what I'm feeling Um, my colleagues were there They saw me. That's why my manager said they should take me to the hospital. He should Mm. take me to the hospital. And then it was more of a, she's stressed, her job is stressing her out. Now, you raise a...
0: You raise (laughs) a very interesting point for me around the distinction between normal, and um, I'm air-quoting normal, stress and... mental illness related anxiety yes. or those types of symptoms yes. is there a fine line uh
1: there is a fine line however sometimes the one can cause the other
0: mm-hmm.
1: so the work stress can cause the mental if illness. it's sustained yes. and yes. Uh, so continuous
0: and mm. intense mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay So the one can cause the other But sometimes the one can act in isolation If it is a chemical um, imbalance mm-hmm. interesting, interesting thing this week I was listening to a podcast by Jay Shetty And she had a, a psychiatrist, a doctor, Dr. Amen And he was talking about how a lot of the reasons why There's no, um we were not tackling mental health the way we should Is because the very same people who are psychiatrists who claim that they work around disorders that affect the brain? Don't focus on the brain mm. and i had a I had an aha moment when I was listening to that and I was like, "Wow, it would actually be such a a a beautiful thing or experience for me or a a milestone for me in my mental health journey if I was to be have a psychiatrist who would also look at my brain mm. what traumas?" Have I sustained? Mm. Um, what have those traumas done to my brain, to mm. how my brain behaves? Because he was saying that most of them, they, they, they work on assumption, like they collect the data. I mean, like I'm saying to you now, I'm on my fourth psychiatrist. Mm. All four of them, while well, I'm seeing the fourth one in, in a week or two, but all the three had different opinions. About your diagnosis? Yes. The one was saying that I have um, an anxiety disorder and mild depression. Then the second one said major depression because I had attempted suicide. But now, had she been taking an an approach of looking at historical data, what has happened to my brain or my mind or the traumas that I've been through as a child, she probably wouldn't have given me a blanket diagnosis. Because when you find someone who has attempted suicide, some people are quick to say it's major depression, mm. but what led to that? Mm. Because my dad was even saying that um, to me last year, he was like, are you aware that your illness is actually compounded? Because he works in the medical field, but he works more on the wellness side. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes around to corporate organizations talking about mental health, talking about health and wellness and all of that. And I said to him, what do you mean by that? He's like, you know, when you have a... With mental health, it compounds. You can have a traumatic experience. If you don't deal with it... Um your brain evolves with it, then it can become depression. Then from depression, it can be bipolar. Then from bipolar, it becomes schizophrenia. That's how you find okay. people end up having like psychotic schizophrenia, different types of schizophrenia, whereas a few years before, they probably just had depression. Mm. It's because it's not being treated. Right, appropriately. Yes. If at all. Yeah, if at all. So, I mean, that's why we have a lot of like, you, you see in the townships where um, kids are acting out, but some of them it's probably PTSD and then if it's not treated, they grow up and then it becomes Yes, it keeps especially in the black community. Forms. Yes, and then you find professionals who are lazy and they just They're say... They're not
0: interested. Not at all. And that's a very scary reality considering the seriousness mm. of mental illness (laughs) and the impact that it has on people. Because it doesn't just stop in the brain. It impacts your body. It impacts your physical abilities. It Mm -hmm. impacts your ability to apply yourself at work, Mm -hmm. to show up in social Mm -hmm. situations, to fulfill your responsibilities just as a human being. Exactly. Now, there are various types of mental illnesses, Mm -hmm. right? And you suffer from Bipolar disorder, yes, and temporal lobe mm, epilepsy. epilepsy.
1: Mm-hmm. What is the difference between the two? Of the bipolar and the temporal yeah. lobe epilepsy. So the temporal lobe epilepsy is a form of epilepsy that affects the um, temporal lobe of your brain. Mm. So even when you sometimes you'll have seizures, sometimes you won't. You'll experience things like déjà vu, um, a bloody taste in your mouth. You always have this bad like this. How the seizures happen? It's so strange. Um. It's like you'll have this... You'll wake up with this pit in your stomach that something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. And you're actually having a seizure sometimes. That's how you have your seizure. Sometimes you can have your seizures in your limbs and you're conscious. Mm. You're aware of the seizures. So that's what temporal lobe epilepsy does. And it affects... um, I can't remember, is it the short or the long-term memory of the brain? But it affects that as well. It also affects your emotions okay. as well. And then with bipolar, bipolar is when you have experiences of hypomania where you're very energized. So, for example, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I love my job, my job is amazing. And then you go through the low, it's like, oh, my work sucks. Mm. My job is like this and that. Um. But then one thing that people need to understand is that... um. It's a sliding scale with bipolar. Because I see a lot of dangerous jokes that go on around um social media. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's actually one of the things I wanted us to cover. But carry yeah, on your point and then yeah. i bring it in. Uh, where people be like, no, she's got bipolar. So bipolar is like a sliding scale. And it starts like, like right now I, I, I am going, I think I can feel that I'm coming off a hyper mania episode where I was very, very hyper. So I'll be more enthusiastic to do my work. And I was saying to a friend of mine that, once i'm going through this episode i've learned to work with bipolar where i will get the work that needs to be done i now actually take advantage of it to say okay i can feel like i'm having a hypermanic episode i'm going to shoot all the content that i need to shoot mm. to put onto social media because i don't know when this will end mm. then you slowly go through the depressive episode where now um you want to withdraw you're very exhausted it's a very exhausting illness sure <laughs> one thing people don't know because they tend to talk more about the mm. moods and whatever mm. it's very very exhausting you seeing it's so exhausting you sleep and you wake up and you feel like you've been hit by a truck mm. and that's why they'll say that this the hard thing about bipolar is that people bipolar sufferers need to sleep a lot mm. but because we tend to have a lot of insomnia we don't sleep Enough, Like, I mean, I can stay up until 3 a.m. and I'll wake up at 5 and I'll function. But then when I start crashing, it's just, it's another thing. So uh, those are one of the things, like, you suffer a lot from sleep. So the one is more of the chemical imbalance and then the temporal lobe is more of the brain waves. Mm. That's what happens. It's like you think of a glitch that goes, yeah, it happens with temporal. That's what temporal lobe, it's like a shock. especially when you're having the seizure that's what's happening Mm. with temporal lobe um epilepsy whereas with bipolar it's more of your chemical composition in the brain where all of a sudden last week you were on a high everything was going well and now you just want to end your life Mm. because you just feel like you're you're exhausted you're like i can't you know that's the type of exhaustion that it puts you through
0: so i want to go a little deeper Mm -hmm. um, with regards to the suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. Now, we're seeing more and more reported cases around people dying by suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, as somebody who has survived Mm -hmm. suicide attempts, Mm -hmm. when you wake up Mm -hmm. and you realize
1: that you're still here, Mm
0: -hmm. what is that like for you? Very angry, hmm.
1: very very angry. I was very angry. Um, I think the third one was really the worst, because the other ones, what happened is I was on my own and I I'd overdose and I literally sleep for days, days, um, three days. Then I'm I wake up and I'm not okay. I'm sick vomiting and all of that but then with the third one I was found and I was taken into um, I was taken to a hospital life hospital and when I woke up I was so angry
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I had a mission to end my life and to say okay this is it and even when I did it I was at peace because the reason why I I, 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 I did it and I talk about this, because I think sometimes people don't talk candidly about why they attempt a suicide. Mm. For me, I just got to a point where I was tired mm. of having to take medication, see a therapist, do so much work just to be normal. Right. That was, for me, that was the thing, it was, I was just, I got to a point where I was exhausted. I felt like okay, I just really would like to live my life with no pain, or I'd really like to. I and I, I think even before then, when I was getting to the point of the attempt, I even stopped taking my meds because I wanted to feel how, how I was feeling right, without the chemicals. Exactly, because when you take that, you'd be feeling a certain way. Then you take your medication, and then it numbs you. Mm. And then you, even when you go for therapy, yes, it helps, but it's a lot of work. Mm. Excuse me, sorry, because I see a lot of people talking about um go for therapy, go for therapy. People don't know therapy is a lot of work. Mm.
0: It is a lot of work. The amount of emotional digging that you have to do in those exactly. sessions. Exactly, <laughs> it can let you want. After a (laughs) therapy session, you literally just want to climb into bed and not speak to anybody for at least a week because it's traumatic. You are digging into traumas that you have buried year after year.
1: Yeah, it is. So I got to a point where I was tired of that. Mm. I was tired of having to do that. I was tired of feeling the way I feel and I just wanted to be happy. And I kept on wondering what my life would have been like had I not um, been, um, sexually abused, molested, raped and all of that, which was actually the foundation of how I got to be depressed and all of that, Mm. you know, Mm. going through all of those things as a child. So, I mean, I was very angry. I remember even when I opened my eyes, the psychiatrist was there and she was like, hi, um, I'm so-and-so, um, I've gotten your case, so how are you feeling? And I just said, I'm angry. Why am I here? And I looked around and I saw all these, it was an ICU, so I was strapped to machines um, and I was on lockdown. And I remember even when uh, the night I wanted to leave, I wanted to go because it was raining and in my mind, I was like, can these people just get me out of here? Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to walk into in front of a car and just, because I was mad. I was like, why am I still here? And even when I was taken to the mental health facility, I was not interested mm. for the first week. I isolated myself. Um, I just had it in my mind that I'm just gonna stay here until the 21 days is done. Mm. Then when I leave, I will do it again, and this time I'll make sure I do it do it do it properly. Right. So that's where I that's where I was. That's how angry I was. Mm. Now, you mentioned earlier around how
0: people take mental illness lightly, mm. right? And it's something that I wanted to, to bring up in this conversation mm. around how people colloquialize oh. mental illness. So yeah. somebody will say something like, oh my gosh, I saw this pair of shoes that I really liked. Mm. Went to the store to mm. get it and it was sold out. I'm so depressed,
1: it's a problem because because of that we'll never get to a point where we take mental illnesses seriously um and it it hurts for for people who really have legit um reasons like some guy yesterday on twitter said that spoke about something about um hey no if you're this kind of girl then you've got a certain type of bipolar or something like that Mm Um, And I said to him, please delete this tweet because it's not, you know, Um, people colloquialize it like you are so right. People uh, take, make, make, they take it lightly, you know, Uh, and, and how are we, especially as a country, how are we supposed to get to a point where we see depression as an illness? If we keep seeing it as something to just like something that you just go through, something you tap into. So when people talk about it and joke about it, they talk about it as if it's a choice. It's something that you choose. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you've used that example that I went shopping and I didn't find all the shoes or sold and I'm so depressed. It's like you choosing it. But with people who suffer from it, you can't choose it. Mm. Depression doesn't tell you that on Wednesday, we're going to be depressed. Mm. And you won't be able to get out of bed. Bipolar doesn't say to you, today is the day where you actually don't want to engage with anyone. And... It doesn't. And then you find people joking around about it, making it seem like it's a choice. The thing is, it's not a choice. Mm. It's your the chemicals in your brain. It's the circumstances that happen to you that you don't deal with not because you don't want to but because you don't know how to deal with them and then they um compound and they become this big monster like i call it the black monster because sometimes you can feel it that okay it's dragging me in Mm -hmm. and you try so hard to fight it and then you'll find people saying that oh my gosh i had to do this work i'm so depressed oh my gosh this one has bipolar Mm -hmm. like one minute she's smiling one minute she's not yeah (laughs) like (laughs) let's separate the two so um that I feel I, f- I i I feel um sad actually, mm-hmm. when people do that because i I wish I could be in a space where I could choose how I feel because mm-hmm. sometimes it puts you in the um space of you can't choose how you feel, but you fight a lot like I fight a lot to be happy, mm-hmm. I try so much to be very happy, and I think that's why a lot of people think that my illness is not valid because i'm always positive or most of the times i am positive but then within those moments of being positive i actually do share that hey i'm actually having such a bad week mm. or a bad day or I've, I've i've become so open about it like i'll put it on social media as opposed to say oh this week was just really draining emotionally and sometimes it's draining not because someone was doing something but because i had to work very hard every day to get out of bed and make my bed Mm. like i was looking back that this week there are times where i didn't make my bed and that's when i know that okay something is not okay Mm. it means that this is and then you have to go back and look at what triggered it Mm. that's why i'm saying that i wish i could choose to be depressed because with us then you have to now think what could have triggered me what happened or things trigger you small things Mm -hmm. things that people say how people make you feel and you become very energy sensitive like i'm like that um i think maybe that's the reason why i i have a low tolerance for um relationships that are not up to my standard because i know that there are there are little things that can actually send me on a spiral there are so many things that can actually um cause me to relapse Mm. so I can't afford to I don't have the luxury of being in a relationship where I have to tolerate a person who doesn't maybe talk to me a person who decides that they want to keep quiet or a person who can't manage they, um the issues in terms of communicating if i've offended them or whatever like trying to punish me right. with silence i can't deal with that or a person who just goes am i i i cannot i'd rather be like okay i need to be single i need to try and eliminate even with friendships mm. if i feel that okay this person is making me feel like i'm imposing myself on them i need to eliminate situations that would cause me to overthink mm. So when people joke about that, I'm like, it's nice. <laughs> mm. Because I I, I I can't, I don't have that opportunity. Mm.
0: Mm. So I want to talk about stigmas for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so since releasing my book, mm. um, because I do mention <clears throat> a bit about mental mm. health um, yeah. in the book mm. and, mm some colleagues of mine who were admitted into facilities mm-hmm. because of the environment yes. and its toxicity mm. and so that started conversations and you know various events that i'll be speaking at where people would talk about how you know if they got booked off for work to go to a mental facility when they now are coming back to reintegrate into the re- into the organization mm-hmm. There is this stigma that oftentimes manifests itself as people making all of these little snide comments. Like, Mm. if you respond to something or you don't agree, then it's, did you take your meds today? And Mm. the gossip around that, Mm. which then further fuels Mm. this illness that this person is battling with. Mm. So what are the types of stigmas that you have come across or that you're aware of? And in the context of the workplace, because most people don't have the benefit of having an environment like the one that you work in. Mm. You know, they work in environments where people are still very ignorant mm. around mental, mental health and mental illness mm. um, and very unsupportive, mm-hmm. even from an HR and wellness mm. perspective.
1: Sure. Um, uh, I think, like you said, for me, especially last year, last year was very, very tough mm. for me very tough because you know you go out you have to integrate back what i found for myself it wasn't a a, a stigma per se but it was more of i think my team were battling and how to support me mm. so i never i never went through i mean i'm blessed i didn't go through the comments of did you take your meds today or Jokes of Y, X, Y, and Z. I think for me, sometimes it became where I felt like I was treated so much like an egg. (laughs) Mm. Where I felt like, okay, guys, like I I I I'm okay. Mm. I also want to, you know. So I think sometimes it can be extreme where they don't know how to that they try so hard not to cause you to relapse that they really suffocate you. Suffocate you and you're like I actually can do this. I actually, you know, that's what I, 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 I went through. And I mean, for for them it wasn't from a bad place, it was a we don't want her to um relapse or we don't want her to go through what she went through. Or to feel alone. To feel alone. Mm. So for me it was like but I've known I know of people who <clears throat> suffered mm-hmm. so much and 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 the their illnesses become worse because of the environments they work in. I mm. mean, like when I think about the people that I was in the facility with, most of them were actually there because of the environments that they work mm. in i mean there's a
0: woman who I think it was last year um resorted to Twitter because she had Mm. been struggling. She was struggling with um, mental illness as Mm. a result of her work environment. Mm. Um, I think she went to, she had gone to a mental health facility and when she got back to work, she was pretty much Mm. unofficially deemed incapacitated. Yes. And so they started taking work away from her. They started moving her out of the role that she was in and giving her less and less things to do until eventually she was forced to leave the organization. Mm. Um, so, it's it's scary to think this is literally defined by yeah. experts yes. as a medical condition. condition. Mm. You're not going to fire somebody for mm. having a heart attack. You're not going to fire somebody for having the flu. Exactly. So, why are we f- trying to
1: work people out of the workplace? So, what what happens is, what they do is... Um there's that assumption that because you have a mental illness, you are illogical, you are irrational, you can't think, you can't make decisions. they don't know how to separate mm. that It's like guys, the mental illness has to do with my trauma. it does not mean that I cannot make sound decisions. Mm. it does not mean that i'm I'm good at my job or any um any less better than X, Y, and Z. And sometimes, like, you'll find that even with you suffering from a mental illness, you perform better than um, Ujabu or Usipo that you're working with, Mm. you know? But because, like you said, that there are organizations that are stigmatized, like, I mean, I'd like to believe, like, the previous organizations that I worked at, had I gone through that suicide attempt there, I think I I would have relapsed. Mm. Because People are very Callous And they are actually empowered By the systems Mm, And the culture Within the organization organization. I mean I think about Back in the days when I was working for a previous Organization and I was doing beauty And and all of that I remember that year I left uh, And looking back now I I was actually very depressed Mm. Very depressed Instead of the company utilizing their resources they actually just they would actually just make your life even more difficult and Mm -hmm. I know of people who go through that where they look at I mean I'm working for a giant organization why can't this organization support me but you'll have a manager who's just how bent on making your life Mm -hmm. difficult um, some people even um, manage people out yeah. because they 've got such dismissal. Yeah, constructive dismissal because they 've got such a stigma towards mental illnesses that they don 't want to um, deal with it mm. they 'd rather not have a person like that on their team, so they 'd rather work them out mm. and the organizations that are are, 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 are not um, supportive or not following through with the nice procedures and policies that they have on paper need to be held accountable mm. because there are so many people who have died. I mean, we've heard of people who just go to their workplace and shoot everyone. They yeah. kill everyone. And that is because yeah. of a mental illness. But then it will be written off as a, this person was crazy, um, he had X, Y, and Z. But then nobody looks at it. it. goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of our conversation that nobody looks at the history everybody just wants to stop at the incident right that this person came in and shot yeah this person Mm. came in and shot people but no one wants to talk about how you um micromanaged him how you um belittled him berated him Mm. in meetings how every single thing that he did you questioned Mm. that led to that Mm. because that's the thing it's a very sneaky illness and it plays itself different out differently i mean like i was saying that it shows up differently uh, some people have bursts of anger. Mm. That's depression. Some people clean obsessively mm. because they're trying to. That's, it shows up differently. But no one wants to talk about that. We always want to have take a reactive approach to it to say, oh, my gosh, he killed, he did this, um, he came into the office. But nobody wants to talk about how you guys drove him to that. Right. And how nobody was held accountable. Mm. About how many times he went to HR asking for support. And no one did anything about it. Instead, when they would go to to HR, you'll find that most organizations have HR's just glorified window dressing Mm. because they don't do anything about it. And then this person keeps on getting victimized, and the victimization gets worse. Yes. Or because a person has an illness, um, has, um, let's say, a schizophrenia, borderline schizophrenia, when they're in a meeting, you don't want to take anything that they have to say as a valid point. Because in your mind, you've got that, that unconscious bias that... Mm. Which personality is this now? <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm. It's actually really scary. And the
0: other thing that we don't talk about is how whether it's in the workplace or even outside of that mm. the re-traumatizing of people when every single time you have to re-explain yourself you have oh. to explain what you went through you have to re-describe oh. it and then they refer you to the next person and then you have to go through that whole yeah. process all over <laughs> again only to end up still not getting the support that you need so how do we as people who engage with you in the workplace, and social settings. Mm. How do we support the people
1: around us who do suffer from mental illness? I think first and foremost, there's a need for education. Mm. And that education needs to happen and the people who are getting the education need to come from a space that says that, I don't get it and Mm. it's okay. Because a lot of people, a lot of people actually, don't want to admit that they do not understand mental illnesses Mm. once you you and they don't want to admit that they have a stigma towards mental illnesses i mean even us people who suffer from it tend to stigmatize the illness Mm. ourselves because we don't get it it's a journey it's a working process so the first step of support is before you even put in these nice policies and whatever are your st- are the people in your organization educated about mental illnesses? Mm. Are the people who are in management positions educated in such a way that they know how it shows up? Mm. If, oh, baby, does this and that, is it a trigger warning to say that, okay, she's relapsing or whatever? Mm. Are people that educated? And sadly because of the nature of 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 our jobs now we're always in a rat race that people don't even take time to pause and reflect and check in on their team or to see that this person has not been behaving like this because what happens is that when a person um does something again you want to judge them based on that but you don't want to look into the history and say actually in the past six months, this person has been on time. This person has been doing their work. This, this is out of character. Mm. So if you are educated, then you'll know that, okay, this is out of character. Something is wrong. Mm. But no one wants to do that. The first thing we want to do, is rather go for a dis, uh, hearing, dismissal, and all of that. Yeah. Only when a person attempts suicide or tries to, or hurts themselves, then alarm bells go up that, oh, maybe this person is... like It's like we don't have a sense of urgency, and we have we need to start having a, re, a proactive approach. Right. So the only way we will be able to have organizations that support people with... um mental illnesses is to have a proactive approach like the organization that i'm in they took a proactive approach by saying that look the world last year the world organization deemed um um uh, what's this mental illnesses as very serious it was last year when they had that press um conference mm-hmm. around that as soon as that came out my organization said that okay it, we need to double up the counseling services that we offer to our staff mm. and their families mm. that's a proactive approach right because you 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 need to keep your finger on the pulse Mm -hmm. how many companies did that how many companies listened to that um read that press release from the world health organization saying hey a lot of people are dying the stats are just continuing Mm -hmm. to climb this is what's happening this is what we prescribe organizations can do or people in their communities can do how many people took that and adjusted their company policies like now we have a every quarter we focus on something at work we're going to have a quarter where we focus solely on mental health mm. that's a proactive approach mm. because you're starting to um Conscientize the people who are in your organization to say, these are the different types of mental health diseases. This is what mental health is about. I mean, then we even had a challenge where we had a breathe challenge Mm -hmm. where for a month you had to download an app where you take time to breathe and you talk about stress, the links of mental illness and all that. Mm -hmm. That is a proactive approach. Mm -hmm. But most companies are so much about the bottom line that they miss it. And they're not aware of the socio economic factors. You'd swear that some organizations live in a drum. <laughs> and that people are just robots. Yeah. Because it's always profit over people. Yes. Mm. You know, so it, it only becomes an issue where um HR will probably call them in and say, Hey, we've got so many cases of people now going into mental health facilities. Then it's a, they become reactive. Okay, what's happening? Let's go back to the policies. What do they say? And sometimes some mm-hmm. of them want to go back to them in a way to make the person's life difficult. Mm. It's not to support the person. Yeah. It's to see how can we get this person on incapacitated leave. Or yeah. It's not to support the person. And there's no plan beyond yeah. this particular case. There isn't. Mm. And I mean, so that's why you'll find November, December, October, November, December mental health facilities are packed with Mm. professionals Mm. because organizations do not have a proactive approach Mm. so if as an organization you do not have a proactive approach and you do not actually put it out there to say this is what you have to do it's not on paper Mm. do it nothing is going to change it's just a vicious cycle Mm. yeah Okay. Mm. Bobby. thank you so much. That was so (laughs) insightful. Um, Thank you for having me. Because,
0: I mean, after writing my book and having to process my own experiences, Mm. I really started wanting to learn as much as I could around mental health and having conversations with people who do um, suffer from various mental illnesses because it's such a... And a broad, but also very intense and technical space today is. (laughs) And trying to get your head around it is a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think it always starts with having the willingness Mm -hmm. and the desire to learn, Mm -hmm. to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you so much
1: for your time and for for opening up. How can people get in touch with you? Um, People should follow me at Babi Khadima um across all social platforms and then the foundation is PK um foundation. Yeah, no, it's let me just check. <laughs> Confirm. I know with all of these different social networks you have, I also sometimes don't know what handle is what. <laughs> but what I know is I try by all means to use my name so that yes. people don't get yeah, it's P Khadima Foundation. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, people should just follow and just stay in touch so that they can see um what's happening. I'll be planning a workshop very soon. Okay, fantastic. That. Thank you so much, Thank Barbie. you for
0: having me, Sisha. I think the biggest take for me from this episode is just highlighting the importance of listening to people around us, paying attention to people. Um, and, you know, we're also used to, you know, when you walk past somebody in the corridor, it's, oh, hey, how you doing? as you're walking past, you don't even turn around <laughs> to wait for the answer. And maybe we need to actually just start to pause and listen to those answers, and learn to connect with people better. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to share it, and we'll catch up with you soon.